Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 63 of the Alt Left, your favorite source for Alt Left crunchy goodies. Uh, I am your host, Chris. With me today is Matthew Jumbo Johnson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Sorry, that wasn't as quippy as you're, you're usually coming up with. So <laughs> I, I was, was taken aback. Standard, yeah. All right, fair um, enough. I'm, I'm just, you know, I got to keep, uh, I got to keep the good reverend on his toes. Speaking of which, uh, the good reverend is here. Okay, say hello. Good evening, everyone. So today's promise, because we didn't get to it last week, is going to go ahead and be the State of the Union. Yay! We all learned what's great in the U.S. of A. Oh my God, it was. Fuck me. I got to tell you, it was really rough. Um, it, it, you know, And here's the thing. State of the Union addresses are never, like, lively. I don't know anyone who's yeah. popping popcorn and, you know, fucking having a UFC event when the State of the Union happens. You know, we get to watch some old capitalist blowhard go up there and talk about how great he is. But typically there's something of substance. Oh, uh, no, even if even if there's not no substance, it's usually not. <laughs> there was none of that. But usually even if there's not substance, it's not painful you know like even george w bush was capable of going up there and not making me wince too much and i really kind of thought the days of wincing through a state of the union were over with trump being gone no and uh you know we make plans and the spaghetti monster laughs we all three agree it was an absolute clusterfuck it needs to get talked about um jesus christ if somebody could just learn how to read off a teleprompter he, the thing is, he even did. I thought he actually stayed on script decently. I thought his script was terrible. It's just yeah, but like he was like, stumbling all over himself the entire freaking time. And I know the guy's got a speech impediment, but holy shit, guys, that that doesn't bother me. I mean, no, no, was, the, this like it like the whole thing was just a freaking train wreck. Yeah, the, the speech itself, no matter who was speaking it, was awful. It was. It's like watching some guy walk out of the house with a three wolf moon shirt and a fedora. You're just like, who who let you go out with that? Who who let you put that on and go outside? It's the same thing. I look at the speech and I'm like, who who said the president should say this? Apparently, his speechwriter did because holy shit! Oh my god, it was the malarkiest of speeches. So like, I mean, let's just let's start. So I, the speech starts off right, and the first few minutes were had nothing to do with the United States. It was completely about the- Ukraine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was and, he was stroking that Ukraine cock all all speech long. Everybody's wearing the blue and yellow. It's so emotional. Oh my god! Like he, his quote in the beginning was like, "Putin met a wall of strength, and he met the Ukrainian people." It's like, who, who the fuck are you, the president of again? Like, right? he, he, like that was something Zelensky should have been saying, and it was so weird to hear the president of the United States just. Not even mentioning his own nation in the first few minutes and just just touting the amazingness of this foreign country again, who is barely an ally. It was for cheap points. It's the popular idea right now. Everybody's talking about it. And so, yeah, you're right. He was trying to score the easy, cheap points at the beginning of his speech so that he could get all the applause. Well, and it worked. I was doing a lot of reviewing on people like... Everyone, doesn't matter what political side of the aisle you were, everyone was like, yes, we liked what Biden said about Ukraine. Yes, that was good. Ukraine, Ukraine good, Russia bad. <laughs> like everywhere you look, actually looked into it. Like he got a lot of, like it, 
it was a crowd pleaser. And so it kind of tells you like, at least in that, in that respect, like, I, I think you were asking Chris is like, you know, who said this was good for the, like, no, it was, it was the kind of speech that appeals to the common lowest common denominator. And in certain respects, I think I know exactly why they authorized that speech because things like that worked. It's kind of like that meme from a uh, family guy where Lois Griffin is running for office and she was just like repeating nine 11 and everyone yeah. was just cheering. Her. It's, it's that kind of like just baseline level bullshit that all you have to do is mention something that everyone thinks is like, you know, Oh, he's on our side and it wins. And in this case, that at least that bit did. Yeah. Unfortunately. And again, this isn't, you know, yes, it is a buzzword right now, but why is that? I mean, our state department is pushing this Ukraine thing really hard. This is not people like Ukraine. This is the United States foreign policy and state department have been pushing a narrative and they've been pushing it fucking relentlessly that we need to support Ukraine and Russia, man, bad. And this was just more of that. I just, I don't know. He had everyone stand and applaud the Ukrainian ambassador. Right. Like, State of the Union, what the fuck does this have to do with the Union? And it's not like this is World War II and Churchill was visiting. Like, Russia's invading a satellite state. It, It has just nothing to do with the fucking State of the Union. And he spends the entire first quarter just licking Zelensky's taint and I just don't get it because it's because it's popular that's it well and here's the thing and the the flip side of that is if he didn't do that then every single right-wing network would have been for the next 48 hours why didn't he mention Ukraine president didn't say anything about Ukraine clearly he doesn't care about Ukraine why didn't Biden say anything about Ukraine did you guys notice there was nothing about you like that's what it would have been yeah you know I, I get it. I think it's ridiculous that in, in a speech that's supposed to be the state of the United States, the first, like, I think it was like 15 minutes of that speech was just talking about Ukraine. And yeah. put, I think, and I did, the, I, I checked the word count. Putin was mentioned 12 times. Like he's clearly setting Putin up to be the, the Bond villain that, that this country needs to unite against. I, I agree with you, Chris. I think it's absolute horseshit and bullshit, but I'm not confused about why he did it. I think why he, why that speech was authorized, why it happened, why all that stuff, I think is, couldn't be crystal clear. And I think it's an indictment of where our politics is at. Well, the and Ukrainian where our country part, is too. sure. Um, yeah. And I, I wasn't yeah, that's confused. What I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm, speaking, I am upset. Right um, you know, when I say who the fuck yeah. and why and how, like, this is rhetorical. Fair enough. I, I know exactly why this populist, populist prick is doing this. Uh, but at the end of his Ukraine part, then he, again, I'm quoting him, we're giving more than a billion dollars in aid to Ukraine. And it's like, hey, that's fine. I'm, I'm here for humanitarian aid. But um, you said we can't afford health care or student loan forgiveness. But you can just manifest a billion dollars out of your ass to throw to Ukraine? Yes, yes, he can. And again, this is typically a right-wing talking point. I don't like making it of like, we need to solve our problems at home before we help anybody else. No, I I think you can absolutely do both. I think there is a time and a place to fund and give humanitarian aid in crises around the world. I think that's important. But don't do that while you tell me there's no money for health care and there's no money for student debt forgiveness. There's no money for housing assistance. These are programs that are humanitarian aids at home why don't we fund the humanitarian aid there and here and cut the military budget or do anything that could possibly actually help Americans out of debt? And the answer to that is he's a banking candidate. Yep. Absolute banking candidate. He was a banking center. He spent his entire career in the pocket of the banking industry. So then he switches gears and at the 14 minute mark, uh, he pulled the shit that you think he would have stopped trying because it fails miserably on social media. 
um, where he takes credit for all the job of all the job growth. Yeah. Where people yeah. are, you know, no, it was his economic plan. His economic plan did the thing. Put all the people back to work. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what happens when you cut aid. And yeah, and people are returning to work and he's just fucking taking credit for that. And it's Which, it's, by the way, is a bullshit metric. And I don't care which president is in office, what side of the aisle he's on. Job growth means shit unless you understand what kind of jobs people are getting and taking. You know, yeah. and unless you understand how many jobs people are being forced to work. You know, if, if half of the country is now suddenly working two and three jobs that pay fucking minimum wage or less, that's not good. So looking at job growth like that doesn't help us determine whether or not, you know, the working class is doing well. Well, and what's the wealth of the nation? Like, what is the wealth of the working class? That is a metric. If you want to say that your average working American's net wealth, I want to know what someone's net worth is compared to the standard of living. Now, if that starts going up, great. That doesn't mean it's the president's fucking fault or bone bonus. Like... And it actually has gone up, but only by like 5.9% over the past year and uh, past year. And 5.9% is still 2% short or 3% short of inflation over that same year. So we're still behind. I don't yeah. care how much the increase is. It's still not more than what the other increase was. Well, and that's what oh, I mean. I, I, I want, it, for I you, want it compared to the standard of living because, yes, wealth goes up, but we're talking about I want it compared to living standards. That's what we matter. And that factors in inflation, which Correct. it has not increased. It has only decreased. It's been decreasing steadily. Go ahead, Matt. You got numbers? No, this is actually a statistic I was curious about, I think, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing mm -hmm. something. So I looked it up and I actually have it saved. So the bottom 20% of the United States that's the poverty class. Their net worth, $6,030. Okay. The next 20%, which is considered- 20%, a fifth of the country oh, yeah. has an asset worth of $6,000. I mean, that means Correct. houses and cars and retirement plans. Yeah. 6000 If they liquidated every single thing they own down to their toothbrush, you'd have six fucking grand. That's what a fifth of the country owns. Mm-hmm. So uh, then the next, the lower middle class, um, next, the next 20%, this is divided into 20%. So again, the, the numbers inside these groups are going to be everywhere. This is just the median of these, yeah, these different groups. Um, $43,000. That, that's, that's the lower middle class. That's their net worth. Now, again, when we're talking about network, we're talking about all their assets and money that they have total. So Correct. if you have a home, this is included in all that. Yeah. So yeah, the the, ba the 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 lower half of the working class is worth a Tesla. Yeah, a cheap Tesla. Yep. And so, mm -hmm. and then uh, we go to the middle class. After that, it's a hundred and four thousand dollars, and that's about it. That, Again, that includes home. I mean, so we're counting people's equity at this point. Yep. Yep. Um, that's where you're getting those numbers. No one's got that in the bank, but these are the people who are actually homeowners paying mortgages. And so, I mean, it, it goes on from there, but I'm, I'm not going to get too far. And obviously the super rich are worth millions yeah, and shit duh. like that. And, you know, but no, that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a, of a statement there. 20%, a fifth of the country mm -hmm. isn't worth a used car. Like that's insane. Which, I mean, you got to admit, like, if they're, if they're car owners, that's probably a majority of that wealth for someone well, who but has hold on, hold on, Chris. Some of them have Toyota. cell phones, so, you know. And refrigerators. And refrigerators, yeah. Microwaves, so, luxuries galore. Yeah. Avarice of these poor people. 
Uh, they probably own some jewelry and some sneakers, too. Oh, my God. They probably feed a dog, fucking bastards. I know. God. And but, once in a while, they probably go to Starbucks and get some avocado toast, too. Don't forget yeah. that. And no they could, their you know, if they would just stop drinking coffee once in a while, they, they could afford to retire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so so we got a billion dollars for Ukraine. He takes, you know, he t- and then he takes credit for the job industry growth, which is, again, we know is a bullshit metric. And then what does he do? He praises the auto industry for manufacturing like it like the oh, dinosaur geez. that he is. I mean. How outdated of an idea is that? That like America runs on Ford. Like what? It's just it's just it's just old timey whimsy. No matter what the fuck he says, it's it's insane how out of touch this son of a bitch is. Well, it's it's the only manufacturing we have that's worth the damn. Like that's well, the thing. no, it's, like the it's, one thing it's we've not. Got. He, he left out the actual lucrative manufacturing we have in this country, and that's slave labor in prison. If you get any clothing or items that say "Made in the USA." It was made in a prison slave labor camp. Most most likely, yeah. That is what the United States manufacturing is. There is some stuff, you know, K works in manufacturing. It's a small niche field. Um, you know, there are steel workers. There are auto industry workers. You know, d- you know, again, yeah, sure. Is um, is Michigan a big? Sure, of course. I think there's a big plant in Tennessee, too. Like, there are areas where there's a town that's run by a plant. But America's not a manufacturing hub anymore. Stop trying to make it that way. You know, mm-hmm. from from Biden to, to fucking Trump to Obama, it's always like uh, auto jobs and manufacturing and we're going to make steel. And it's like or or we can, you know, pretend it's the 21st century and deal with the global economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. H- how about how about we how about we make a million jobs, um, you know, putting solar panels on every roof in the fucking country. Right. Just just a thought. You know, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be nice? We could solve our energy dependent crisis and put people to work. Like it would be the greatest boondoggle of all time. But no, 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 no. We need old timey, old timey, whimsical car manufacturing. And then when he did that, by the way, did you guys notice the crowd chanted USA, USA? Yes, yes, I did. It, it was like watching 12 year olds at the fucking Olympics. I was horrified to hear. Everyone in that room chanting USA. Yeah. These are senators and representatives chanting USA like a bunch of fucking frat boys. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm getting ahead. I don't know if you want to take this uh, line by line, but oh, whatever. Let's just let's just let's just beat this old man up. Oh, God, this was the thing that pissed me off is the, the COVID stuff really pisses me off more than anything. Um, but he said that the country has moved beyond the pandemic even if it still needs to stay vigilant against mutations. No, we are not out of a pandemic. We are still dying in droves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I absolutely noticed that. That he he said, "Oh, it's pandemic's over. It's time to go back to work and open schools up. Everybody, go back to your office. Don't work from home anymore. Just go in. Don't wear a mask. CDC says it's cool. You don't have to anymore. You go back to work. You." You, you get sick and then you die because you still don't have any fucking health care. And then, you know, maybe we'll get back to work. You know, maybe yep. we'll do something fun. Maybe we'll we'll start manufacturing. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Intel is going to spend $100 billion building a giant semiconductor plant that uh, won't be ready for 25 fucking years. And that saved America because it made manufacturing great again. Um, and and when, he was, when he was talking about that, if you remember when he was talking about like the pandemic's fucking over, right? He his quote is I, I wrote it down because I, I watched this and I literally took notes. Yeah. Yeah. On my yeah. phone. I would have liked to, but I was driving. 
And, and he said, it's time to get back to work and fill our downtowns with people. I mean, first of all, yeah, fill our, da- there's still a pandemic. Stop filling places with people. Jesus Christ. Like I know it's getting better and I know we can start going to restaurants again and that kind of thing. And that's awesome. But can we do it with caution? Instead, you're having everyone take their masks off and go back to work. And it's why, you know, so the pandemic is not fucking over. Do not fill downtowns with people. And it's time to get back to work and back to the office. It's like we've literally shown that we can actually work from home. Now, again, not everyone. My job can't work from home. Kay's job can't work from home. Matt can work from home just fine. Has no problem with that. His job can be completely remote. In fact, actually, my new job, the I got promoted. So my new job actually can work from home. I can do my job completely from home, but I have to go to the office because the boss wants me there. And Matt has to go to the office because the boss wants him there. Joe Biden wants us there. Because they want to look over your shoulder. Yeah, That's the only reason why. It's control. It has nothing to do with your ability to do a job. I don't even think it's control because they can look over your shoulder anyway. If you work remotely, everything you do can be tracked and monitored and your production can be seen how productive you are in real time at that instant. I think it is. So then what is it? Because the only thing I can figure. It's justifying corporate building leases and justifying lower middle management. management. Yeah, it's exactly what Chris said. Because the thing is, is the moment you go work from home, what becomes painfully obvious, not only do they start saving on on building space and things like that, and, and I'll, slight digression here, but I'll go into this. I already talked about the idiocy about my my employer losing me for eight months when all they had to do is let me work from home. Honestly, tell the listeners that story again because it's okay. fucking beautiful. So yeah. for those of you that didn't know, so so this I'll try to make it as quick as possible, but because of the pandemic, we'd already been working from home. And I pitched the idea. I'm like, look, I would rather not lose you know, eight to 12 weeks of work, like maybe take two weeks off for my kid being bored and then just work from home. I have no problem doing that. That'd be great. And she's like, well, we'll see. And this was like months and months before it even happened. And during that time, of course, we opened back up again because, you know, this country doesn't fucking learn its lesson. That's the only note is you did work from home during the shutdown. You worked from home and it worked out great. Yeah, there was no problems, but so no, done everyone this. everyone was opening back up again. So they had to bring us back in. And then, of course, uh, Omicron happened and spiked. And this was just before I was supposed to go on leave. And before that happened, I had asked, I'm like, okay, you asked me to follow up with you. This was probably around November, December, you know, giving them plenty of notice. Is this going to be okay? And no, we really don't want to do that. We feel the best way to be working is coming into the office. And and then I try, I don't think I told this part, but I, and I'm like, okay, so then what are my options? And she's like, well, you know, you've got about three weeks of vacation. You can take all of that and just go through me and make it easy. Or you can go through HR and do whatever they want. I'm like, cool. Well, I know exactly what HR is going to give me. So I'm not going through you because HR gave me eight weeks and that's coming paid. So fuck that. Yeah, Because HR doesn't give a shit one way or the other. They're going to follow the rules. Yeah. Period. Because well, that's what HR is. Which, well, which HR, but yeah, ours is. But you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. This HR, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, and so essentially what ended up happening when they could have just lost me for two weeks, not had not had to shove, have my work shoved on a bunch of other people. I could have just come back in, hit the ground running. No time would have been lost. No work would have been lost. No, instead they're losing me from eight for eight weeks. All my work had to be closed out before I left. 
all new work coming in got shifted on to all my coworkers. And when I get back, it's going to take at least another two to four weeks just to get me back on track and going with the flow again to get caught up on all the things that I've missed. All because of this stupid idea about not working from home. And guess what happened? Shortly thereafter, Omicron hit. And for the last two months before I went on leave, we were working from fucking home. That in and of itself is stupid. Now, I said all that to say this, to go even further into the idiocy. Right now, we, our offices, our IT department is all working in one single bungalow that is like 12 years past the time where it should have been torn down in the middle of a parking lot, okay? They have been wanting us to move to a new space for like fucking years. I mean, before I got there, so like probably the last four or five years. They are still debating where to move us. All they would need, to, and, and the thing is, is they're ang- anxious to have it done because they want that parking space for people to park. They want to tear down those bungalows, but nobody can find out, figure out where to put us because there's no space available. And so we're stuck there. And so all this stuff is getting delayed. All they would have to do is let us work from home, problem solved, but they won't do it. And what I was going to say too is to piggyback off of what Chris was saying is the moment you have people work from home for any significant amount of time, not only do people start saving money on supplies, equipment, space, electric bills, water bills, things like that, all that stuff gets saved. And then all of a sudden like, hey, this is pretty good. Where else can we save money? And then a big old spotlight gets shined on middle management because all their job is to, to, the only thing their job is, is to do what anybody else can replace easily by software. Middle management is is obsolete in this day and age, especially yeah. when you go work from home. And like Chris was saying, is the moment you do that, higher ups start to realize that. And then middle management loses their job. So middle management is never going to go against higher ups that want to keep people in the office because it means their job if they do. Yeah. No, and, and I absolutely agree with you on those points. But the higher ups, you know, the reason why they want it back is control. Because they're not worried about the middle management. They're worried about the control. But I don't know. I disagree. They haven't lost any control. Yeah. Higher-ups are always in control. They like to look over people's fucking shoulders. Okay, they like that fetish. control. That's not control. Like, you haven't controlled anyone anymore by having them in an office. All you've done is force them to commute. And I'm going to, I'm going to even disagree with that because here's the thing, like in my, at least in mine, the structure goes like the CIO and all the people at his level or below. All right. And then below those people is my boss. And then below my boss is my supervisors. And then me, I don't see the, any, any of the people above my boss ever. A lot of them, again, remember these are boomers and older. These guys yeah. are just used to this old way of thinking and this is their habit like in in their minds they've been brought up with this idea where it's like if you are not in the office working nine to five punching a time clock you are not working and you're stealing from the company this is the lie they've they've been ingrained in their heads they were sold this lie they believed it they've come up believing it and and even though and if you're not there in a brick and mortar you're not working yeah exactly and even though all the data we have shows the opposite of this that people actually work harder and longer when they work from home because they're more relaxed more free and more willing to invest time because they're already at home to begin with it doesn't matter because they don't care about that stuff because Again, it, this is a generation that's resistant to change. Yeah. Well, and I get, I got, I, I told this before, but on Christmas Eve, I got into an argument with a boomer and a Gen Xer who are both uh, a little bougie. Um, I wouldn't call them conservative. I would definitely call them well-to-do liberals. 
and a big and the argument was basically on getting back to the office and all anybody cared about was returning to normal you know and and the boomer just couldn't wrap her head around that anybody could actually be productive um the gen z couldn't wrap her head around that uh her feelings about wanting birthday cake in the office um were were less important than people's actual productivity <laughs> and when i brought up like working from home during the pandemic opened up a new job market of disabled people yeah like an entire portion of our populace who couldn't work because they had to fucking commute in go upstairs do a thing you know it's like for a disabled i mean it's a pain in the ass for the most able-bodied person in the world to get up early take a shower put on clothes drive through fucking freeway traffic get a fucking bagel and a coffee go into work pretend to be happy that you're slaving your life away now imagine doing that with a physical disability or if you don't have a fucking car like jesus christ can you imagine being physically disabled and riding a two-hour bus ride to work downtown no thanks i'll pass and that's and that's just if it's a pain in the ass what if you're physically unable to make that journey you know and it's like there's people who could benefit and and could contribute greatly to our society and we're just telling them no because fucking karen wants her birthday cake and it's the stupidest shit in the world and literally i kid you not i was i was told by this boomer that not only does it not matter uh, does it is not only does it not matter that disabled people need to work and they have the right to dignity and income, uh, but also this might cost the companies money and maybe they can't afford to pay this kind of living wage. And that that was more important than people's wages. And I literally looked at her and said, wait, are you telling me that a company's right to earn profit is more important than paying its employees a living wage? And she went, absolutely. What? Now, this is supposed to be a liberal, like a boomer liberal. She was a banker her whole career, but yeah, she's, she's, pretty liberal on most things but you gotta remember liberals with wealth are pretty shitty jesus and and she has just just no idea of how horrible what she's saying is uh, no she hasn't struggled for anything her entire life oh well yeah why would she how how can you you can't i'm sorry empathy comes from struggle not that if you've struggled you guaranteed have empathy and not that if you haven't struggled you can't have empathy but it's kind of like um it's kind of like education tends to tends to breed leftist thinking. It's the same thing. You, you, it's not that you can't be a leftist and not have a high school diploma. Um, but typically, the higher your education is, the more left you'll be. These are things that correlate. And people who have never struggled through poverty and have never struggled through disability, have never struggled through prejudice, tend to have less empathy. If you come from a wealthy, white, protected background and you have never suffered prejudice based on physical, mental disabilities or race or religion or anything, if you haven't suffered that, you've just been fucking rich wasping your way through life, you, you're you not going to care much about other people because the world isn't that hard and you don't understand why anybody else is bitching. Yeah. These are things that correlate. But anyway, we're way off topic. But yes, that that's that's the thinking that Biden is from because, again, who's Joe fucking Biden? He's yeah. a guy who has spent his entire life as a U.S. fucking senator, having plenty of money, earning it, working for the banking industry, and telling poor people, women, and black people to go fuck themselves. There's a reason why every single time anybody croaks, he's like, oh, it's got to be a woman of color. Because he spent his whole life being a racist piece of shit and being a sexist. I'm sorry, but Joe Biden's father struggled. Didn't you hear during the speech? <laughs> Yeah, and his son too. <laughs> he 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 understands, you know. He understands. He's from Scranton, his Pennsylvania. Yeah, whoopty shit. Sell uh, paper. I don't fucking care. Um, Joe Biden hasn't struggled for shit. Uh, his outlook is privileged as fuck, 
And here's the thing. I'm privileged as fuck. Yeah. I grew empathy so because I. I struggled in my Shit. life. The point is, but Biden hasn't. And not that that excuses it, because again, I don't care how much, if you haven't struggled, you still have an, an obligation to give a shit about other people. But this is why Biden's so fucking out of touch, because he doesn't care. He's never cared. Biden wrote the bill making it impossible for you to declare bankruptcy on student loans. Yeah. Biden decided you should drown in that. Biden is the one who trashed Anita Hill for speaking up about sexual harassment. Biden is the one who completely silenced his credible rape allegations when he was a senator. Biden is the one who didn't want to integrate schools with black people because it would become a, quote, racial jungle. This is Joe fucking Biden. And because he happened to work for the world's most popular black guy, doesn't make him woke. It doesn't make him popular. It doesn't make him left. It doesn't make him whatever word you want to go with. He's just fucking Joe Rogan without doing mescaline. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. He's a piece of shit, and his proximity to a popular black dude, who's also a bastard, doesn't make him not that. And this speech showed that above all else. We got what was he promising? Millie's he, he, promising to cut the cost of prescription drug. How, bitch? You won't even allow single payer healthcare in the country. You've done everything you can to enable private pharmaceutical industries a cut of the profit and and the only seat at the table. And you want to say, I'm going to cut. The cost of prescription drugs, but with zero plan. And then later, oh, I'm going to let Medicare. I want to. I want to have Medicare bar. You know, be able to collectively bargain with with pharmaceutical industry. So what? Like, you yeah, can say people left it. Joe Biden have already been bought out and shut it down at the state level. Like, I, I don't believe for a second Biden's going to be the savior to do it when people like. Fuck, what is it? Is it Cory Booker? Yeah, Cory Booker, yeah. the one who sold his soul, yeah. Yeah, like when people, like Cory Booker is demonstrably more left than Joe Biden, and even he was easily bought out by the pharma school industry. I'm sorry, if Cory Booker is going to be bought out, there's no way Joe Biden's going to be the one to stand up to them. No, yeah, there's no way Goldman Sachs Biden is going gonna, is gonna to get through this. And again, he, it's just empty fucking promises. And he's like, I'm going to cut the cost of childcare. And then, is there a plan for that? Is there, I'm introducing to the House, Bill, nope, just move it on. My plan is going to cut the cost of child Childcare in half. He just he just spits out fucking random numbers about cutting the cost. No, of no, child it's, care it's gonna drug. yeah, it's gonna cost only seven percent of your income. Well, when your income's like twenty thousand dollars, seven percent is still pretty fucking big. So yeah, Joe Biden has become the Arrested Development meme. Like, what could a banana cost? Ten dollars? Like, that's what he's fucking out. Like, what's childcare? Seven percent of your income? Psh, psh, eh, just do more lobbying. You'll be fine. Like he doesn't give a shit, you know. And then, and then he told on himself. Did you catch the capitalism? Line? I'm a capitalist. Yeah, yeah. Not only I'm a capitalist, but he's like capitalism without competition is exploitation. It's like, oh, you're so close, Joe. You're so close. <laughs> you're so close to getting it. Little bit. One yeah. more baby step, bro. Yeah. No shit. It is exploitation, motherfucker. And going up there, get you won because you weren't Trump. Run. Like, when are you Democrats going to fucking recognize? That standing up on a podium and screaming I'm a capitalist isn't a popular message these days. This isn't the fucking 80s anymore. No, but I'm a capitalist. That means I'm good, right? Right? Oh, and then he, and what does he say? Uh, I'm going to make $15 minimum wage a reality. It's 2022. That means nothing. Yeah. That means uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's got to be like 28 or or more. I mean, yeah, and we're in the middle you're... of some of the worst inflation we've seen in years, not to, to boot. Like another year of this shit and like 25 an hour ain't going to cut it. I'm finally going to make it safe to live in the 1990s. It was it was it was absolutely fucking terrible. 
And, and so those are those are my big gripes. I mean, who else has got stuff? Because I, again, I, I literally was was damn near not. Oh, and then of course you get Nancy Pelosi uh, rubbing her knuckle. That was anything about that one put out. Did you notice that I and this is always the case, obviously, the State of the Union is performative. It is a party oh, yeah. for the party to show off, to get votes, to get whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, this is yeah, the president's the leader of the party. This is so the Democrat or Republican Party, whoever's a power, can show off, right? Obviously. This is the most obvious performism I've ever seen. Like, besides the USA chance, we had Nancy Pelosi rubbing her knuckles together when Joe Biden was talking about people burning to death and getting lung cancer and shit. It was like, well, that was weird. And she was, it was like she was itching for this moment. It was really weird. They got Chuck Schumer standing up and sitting down, not knowing when to clap. And it was like he it was like he was missing a cue card the whole time. He kept like wheeling people out yeah. to prove some sort of point. There was the the uh, woman from the Ukraine, the the ambassador, and then there's the the kid whose birthday was yesterday. Look at my African American. Yeah, Joe. Joe the plumber over here. I don't know what the hell he was talking about at that point. I I tuned out for a second. I don't know. Ulysses then, the Ukrainian, whatever. Like whatever yeah. mascot he felt like wheeling out. And then he goes on for, I don't know, it was like 10 minutes about burn piles in in Iraq causing brain cancer. And, you know, then he's got to wheel out Bo Biden again. It's like, bro, I, I we get it. Your your son died from brain cancer. Actually, that was I'm my sorry. only. That was the only time I was okay with it because it shut the fuck up, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, it <laughs> did, and Lauren Boebert. Like shutting those two up was the only thing I enjoyed about the State of the Union. Sure, but still, man, like I'm sorry, but every chance he gets, he's like my, you know, hero son, Bo Biden. Well, yeah, and well, he, it's it's a strategy. He's absolutely been using the fact that he comes from a military family, and his son died in the military. His son died from brain cancer. He wasn't out there saving lives. Yeah, to be fair, it was most likely from the from the the the, the war in the Middle East. Like it, we don't know for sure, but uh, his son probably died from war related disease. We were dropping depleted uranium next to toxic waste. There's a reason why most Iraq and Afghanistan vets are coming down with all kinds of cancer. And I and I get that, but it's not about burn piles. No, it was it was a, it was dumb. But the thing well, I'm just pointing out that the reason he's doing that is he's trying to cut the Republicans out of saying the Democrats don't care about the troops. Have you noticed every speech is God bless yeah. America and God bless our bless troops. Our troops. And he's kind of got one over on them with that because you I mean not to not to digress again, but that bill that just came out that was supposed it was like, hey, maybe we should treat, you know, uh veterans with cancer uh and get them, you know, better health care and literally every democrat supported it and like all but i think 40 republicans went against it you know it's it, it's kind of like he's at least in that front he's he's walking the walk a little bit yeah great he cares about veterans and like don't get me wrong we should care about veterans veterans get screwed we in this should. country and veterans get a raw deal and i'm all for veteran reform what I am not for is saying, I'm going to do tiny token reform for veterans and call it a day on being a humanitarian. Yeah. How about you stop sending them to war? I hate the fact that in this country, we fetishize veterans. We fetishize the military and 
when they come back from war, yes, we should take care of them. They should have health care. But they're not all fucking heroes. I'm sorry. They're just not. You can't be a fascist government if you don't venerate your military. Right? It's, yeah. it's one of the hallmarks. But it, it, it just makes me so sad because these people are people and we need to be, we just need to treat them like people instead yeah. of treating them like they're some commodity. Yeah, but instead they're treated as less than human in terms of resources and yeah. hailed as heroes to make up for that. And that's what it really comes down to is yeah. that's the point is A, you can carry on a patriotic fascist regime, but B, you can also, you know, you can also do fucking Trump, you know, Air Force flyovers of hospitals rather than buying PPE for nurses. It's the same thing. You can do performative shit instead of actually helping. And that's all it is. Biden doesn't give a shit about helping anyone. It's the essential worker tactic. <laughs> yeah. It's all lip service and none of the actual you know, action. It is. It absolutely is. Thank you for your service. Now go die. That's all it is. And then you guys caught the uh, bit about uh, funding the police as opposed to defunding, right? Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. It's not about defunding the police. We need to fund them. Fund them. I was like, I, have you lost Give your them all mind? the money. They already have all the money. Stop it. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't going to win this next election, but he it's like he's doing his best to make sure he loses the next election. I Again, he doesn't want to be president again. Either that or he's trying to get all the Republicans to vote for him. Yeah, that's going to work great. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but but let's go Brandon he, Crowd. He's definitely trying. For him. I don't know. I still think there's enough fear left over of Trump that he might be able to win this, eke this one out. I think there's enough people that are still so scared of, of Trump that they'll still look at Biden as, as, eh, he's still not that guy. This, this as the reasonable crazy alternative. Guy scares, yeah. This crazy old guy scares me less than the other crazy old guy. Trump coming back would be the greatest gift to Biden he could ever do. Yeah. Agreed. It's the only reason Biden won the election. Nobody yeah. voted. Most people didn't vote for Biden. People voted against Trump. Uh-huh. And and I got to tell you, I I just can't. Um, Biden Biden is the worst fucking thing ever because he's just as bad as Trump in all the bad ways. Um, but but he hasn't even motivated people to actually give a shit either. At least Trump galvanized the left. Biden's done nothing. And Biden continues to do nothing. And the State of the Union was was absolute evidence that Biden will do nothing. It is more funding for police. It is more war. It is more saber rattling and defensive bullshit and dinosaur whimsical dreams of steel factories. That's all he has for us. And that's all he's ever had. But now when he trashes America, he's going to do it with a woman of color. Speaking of uh, poorly written statements, what's in the mailbag, Matt? (laughs) Not a poorly written statement. We actually do. Oh, better than Biden. Yep. Yeah. Actually, this is from our, from our boy, Staffy. Oh, Staffy. Yeah. He messaged us. Uh, Always glad to hear from him. Um, so uh, he wasn't sure which one he'd be getting if it was me or Chris, but he's like, not sure which one of you will read this, but if it's Matt, congrats on your new baby. Thank you, Stoffy. I uh, hope you're doing well. We are. If it's Chris, love your interview. Spot on between on spot on with between the liars. So Chris, he's giving you a shout out for that. And I, I, I agree. I, th- I didn't give you a shout out for this last week, Chris, but you were amazing on between the liars. I thought you did great. You handled yourself well, and, uh, you really did. You've done us proud boy. Well, us us proud. getting a shout out on our own shows. He's, he's, he's no better of an analogy to masturbation than I can think. But thank you. <laughs> uh, I and yet I still just as enjoyable. 
Yeah, again, thinking about between the liars, man. Um, you know, again, these are some guys I do not agree with, but um, but they're a lot of fun and they're willing to listen. And I think that's impressive for for people who disagree so much. Yeah, I agree. And I had a great I, time. I absolutely agree. I had a great time on it. Well, and and here's what I appreciate: at least they're informed. Like, yeah, they're not just like, like well, yeah, well, Trump's like Jesus. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> Like, if you know what you're talking about, like, okay, I still think you're coming to shitty conclusions, but at least we can have a conversation about it. That's probably exactly our take on their take on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least she's informed. Even yeah. He's a dumb commie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, but anyway, uh, he goes on to say, uh, wanted Wait, to. Wait, uh, so Stoffy, Stoffy didn't think he would ever talk to me? No, because no. he's messaging us on oh. Twitter, and everybody knows that if you're on Twitter, you're oh, good only point. Never mind. List. Sorry, I apologize. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what social media do you, are you active on of ours yeah. that everyone knows about? I defy <laughs> someone to get a hold of K on social media. Yeah. <laughs> good point. That is the golden <laughs> ticket of the Alt Left podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, but if you have, can figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then uh, please don't dox us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, so but he goes on to say, so um, one of the comments he had was about that. He's like, uh, referring to the guys on Between the Liars, he said, their answer to increase, increasing on or limiting polling places just didn't sit right. It seemed not no matter how hard you press them, they never gave a straight answer as to why polling places and other methods to increase ease of voting should be restricted. It just seemed to go against their desire to have increased faith in the integrity of elections. And I agree with that. I actually think yeah. that they did. But I think one of the things I noticed, and I talked to Chris about this offline, uh, Chris and Kay, um, yeah. w- while I do agree that they were more informed than average and they were very good at presenting their viewpoints, whenever they got challenged on something, and and I think he did this on our when he came on our show as well, rather than address the challenge, he would pivot to something else. And that's what they did oh, yes. a lot with this one is Chris challenged them regularly, but they would pivot to something else. And, and it's like, you know, what do you think? Should this, is the sky blue or red? I don't think it matters what color the sky is. What the really matters is fix the sky. The, the, it yeah. Was, it was always begging the question of, and the slippery slope slope argument. Yep. Like he was always begging the question and then, invoking the slippery slope yeah and those are tactics of people that don't have good viewpoints because there's nothing to hold on to yeah they're logical fallacies they don't have anything to really truly hold on to now my opinion on this is i've seen it a lot i think when it when when you get more educated right-wingers what or more informed right-wingers my opinion and again this is just speculation i could be completely off base here but what i honestly think about what i think it is is i don't think they've actually considered a lot of these challenges before i think that's why when we pushed him on our show he was like these are really good like i don't think he's ever and again i'll go back to what i said on our show because these issues don't affect them voting rights because they're straight white males don't affect them financial issues because i'm assuming they're relatively middle class don't affect them kind of what we were talking about before they vote republican for two reasons one the shitty things republicans do will have no effect on them directly or anyone they know and they are terrified of what of what Democrats might do. And again, I kind of get that. But a lot of the stuff they said is like, well, I'm worried about what might happen. The Democrats might do this. The Democrats might do that. Well, the Republicans physically are doing this and you're supporting it. 
uh, yeah, but what if Joe Biden, and again, it was always that going back to like, well, the Democrats are doing such and such, which could lead to this, which is what Kay was saying, the slippery slope argument. That's exactly, no, that's exactly what it is. They yeah. beg the question and then they, they argue slippery slope. Yep. But it's why I think these, these, and, and again, I, I'm sorry, Staffy, I, I know you were addressing Chris, but I think there's a reason why these questions are important because when people have not considered these ideas and these viewpoints before, they need to, they need to have it challenged. And you need, when you have an opportunity and you're debating, if you can have a cordial debate, you need to push them. You need to force them to answer these questions because if they don't have a good answer for them, it's a problem. Like if you're acknowledged, because that's the other thing is he never told us we were wrong. He never disagreed that vote that voting rights were being infringed. They just tried to either make it not a bad thing or tried to sidestep to something else about like, well, really, how is it being infringed? Like trying to challenge us on how they're being infringed. Like we, we know the numbers showed that less people were voting because of this. And then they tried to, to make a correlation doesn't equal causation argument, which isn't true in this case, because we absolutely know that there was a cause to this. We found it. It was there in the data. But I think that you have to challenge right-wingers on this, especially right-wingers uh, like these two, because I think they are. I, I do think they're je- probably good guys, but I think they're good guys that have some really fucked up viewpoints about other people that aren't them and don't look like them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Sorry, Chris, I monopolized that, but you know, I'll get off my soapbox if you want to respond to stuff. No, I, I thought, thank you. I appreciate it. I actually read it. I was actually, if you, if you look, I actually emailed it back and said, I was the one who responded to Yeah, this is Chris. So yeah, no, I appreciate it, but I, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for listening to the interview. Um, and, uh, yeah, anybody who wants to cheer me on and say I did a good job, I will take uh, good boy pats to the back any day, uh, especially from something like Stoffy, who's been with us since pretty much fucking day one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude's been our ride or die. Yep. You got it. So thank you, Stoffy. So thanks for, uh, that's it for the mailbag. Thanks for sticking with us guys. Thanks for listening to us rant about, uh, old man, dinosaur Biden. We will be back here next week. Uh, so please tune in. Hope you liked it. Uh, let us know what you thought. Maybe there was there something we missed. If you thought there was a big thing of Biden's speech that we needed to address, uh, again, email Matt and, uh, we'll talk about it next episode. Cause we would love to hear feedback on that. Or if you thought were great, or if you want to just give me more good boy points, I will hear it. Uh, but until then, we will be here next week. Uh, me, um, Matthew the Endowed, and the Good Doctor uh, every week giving you lefty goodness. And until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Remember, kids, the revolution is you. 